What's up, sports fans? Welcome to another edition of the DC Sports Huddle. It is, as always, sponsored by our friends at MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork. I am joined, as always, by George Wallace and Dave Preston and a special guest this week. We bring in Stephen Wino, the AP sports writer. This is only our second time having a guest, so... I want you to feel special, but also I want it out there so that this is a potential trivia question in the future. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. I'm very honored. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, to what? Be the answer of the trivia question or it is to the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. As, yes. As the second yeah. guest, you are the George Lazenby of the hunt, <laughs> as Good. fate would have. And Wait, now you met him, the, right? Dave Preston already ended it with that line. So, but uh, we will celebrate Dave Preston because he did sacrifice a good night's sleep in order to go see the Georgetown Hoyas end that horrible streak of 29 straight Big East losses spanning 682 days, I believe the number was. Dave, what was your impressions on it? I mean, this I think the right. first question is, is this the start of maybe a climb toward mediocrity? Uh, or, I mean, yeah, I mean, mediocrity would actually be <laughs> climb. an improvement over what we've seen. But uh, is this a climb out of the hole or just a brief stay of execution? I think we'll find out Sunday when they go to St. John's. St. John's is the eighth place team in the Big East. They also play, uh, you know, Butler again in uh, in in Big East play. So th there are some wins out there for them. They do have a stretch where they play back to back to back ranked teams, I believe, uh, in the second half of the season. So th there are no soft touches in the Big East schedule, with the exception of DePaul, with the exception of Butler and maybe St. John's. They play St. John's twice. They play Butler one more time. So there's a chance to pick up some wins with some low-hanging fruit. And this is a team that they led Villanova at one point. They can beat the middle of the pack teams. I don't think uh, they, they have what it takes to beat a Providence. I don't think they have what it takes to maybe beat a Marquette. But on any given night, all you have to do is believe. And I think over the last season, plus they, for whatever reason, maybe it's the chemistry, maybe it's having so many new guys in a program. This team hasn't had the belief. And uh, I'm surprised on one level that they didn't blow that 12-point lead last night. They were up 75 63 minute tried. 39 to play they started clanging free throws they started fouling when they had no business to they started giving up threes but credit to coach patrick ewing for and this team for continuing to go back onto that floor and continuing to try to end what has been a ridiculous slide because it's not like the nfl where teams are engineered to go nine and eight or eight and nine nowadays but in major college basketball, the way that rosters are set up, the way that you you can bring guys in, there are at least two or three league wins every year baked into the equation. And that wasn't the case last year. I think they finish maybe with four or five, maybe six wins if they're lucky in Big East play. That would, that would mean they'd have to go five and five in the second half of the Big East season. I think that's a tall order right there, though. Stephen Wino, who, uh, by the way, is also the author of Odd Man in Hockey's Emergency Goalies and the Wildest One-Day Job <laughs> in Sports. I wanted to plug your but I meant to do it on the front end, so I'm just going to squeeze it in awkwardly <laughs> here. So, uh, Stephen Wino, uh, uh, you've 
had to uh, cover this Georgetown team throughout the season, even though they don't necessarily deserve the attention. What uh, what were your takeaways from uh, the game? It was a good blip of happiness for a, 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 in a land of unhappiness with Georgetown, right? Like it was Jack the Bulldog's birthday. They sang to him. Uh, Rich Chavakin got to do the, the Hoyas win thing. It was a moment of happiness for for kind of a school and a program that really needed it. And, but like, as you guys have pointed out, like they were clanging free throws. They tried to blow a lead. To me, it showed all the things wrong at the end that they would have blown a lead against a better team and, and kind of in a good way showed what needs to be fixed with this program and, and, and kind of what needs to change and improve along the way. But it, when the losing kept piling up, over and over again, something had to give. And, and everyone's talking about Patrick Ewing's job security and, and just kind of where this program goes from here after the JT3 era, after kind of things have, have fallen apart, even since the Big East uh, tournament championship a few years ago, that was kind of the high point of Patrick Ewing's uh, time in charge there, that it was a moment of happiness that, that showed they can, you're right, Dave, beat the lower level teams of the Big East, but they can't do much against teams better than that. And that's the thing is this used to be a national power. I'm old enough to remember when this team was in the national conscience and used to rule the Big East. I mean, you know, you you could go years without losing, decades without losing as many Big East games as they've lost consecutively under prior regimes. And even the JT3 era, I mean, that was a lot of long mediocrity, but that's like a utopia compared to what we've seen recently, George Wallace. So, I mean, how much longer are we going to see Patrick Ewing? Because it feels like the bar has been kind of lowered for him somewhat. Yes, but they're not going to fire. Not in season. I, I don't. I can't yeah, see that happening. I, I can't. Yeah. yeah, I just don't. I mean, if you're Patrick and you care about the school as much as he does and what you mean to the school, mm-hmm. if it gets to a point you have a conversation, you say, look, it's just time for a new voice. I'm going to step aside. But as a competitor, yeah, he's going to want to try and fix it and get it to the top. Of course, he blew out his whole coaching staff last year. He basically have a whole new team this year. So, And it seems like he's got the support of everybody there. So I think if they play hard down the stretch here and you win a few more games and you kind of you know, have some sort of momentum going into the Big East tournament, a couple more wins. Now, look, you can't go over for the rest of the year. You can't do that because then you got to have a serious conversation. But as Dave's mentioned, the schedule may play in their favor a little bit. You have a couple of wins maybe get to the tournament, play hard, and then kind of regroup and give it another shot uh, next year. But I don't see, unless they go oh for the rest of the year, I don't see them blowing him out. What's an acceptable number from here on out? I, I mean, I, and just dealing with the the conference wins, because that's been kind of the number that I, I don't think, not too many people were talking about the 11-game losing streak within the season. It's been the conference losing streak yeah, that everybody right. talks about. So, what I mean, Dave Preston, what's the what, what's the number that I think is acceptable? I think if they get to five and fifteen, maybe avoid last place. It's a quote unquote peace with honor situation. And maybe after going five and fifteen in league play, where there's a little bit of momentum in the second half, maybe they pull an upset in the final month, and maybe Patrick can say, you know what, I've got this program going in the right direction, but I know I'm not the guy who will get them to the next level. It's time. I love my university. It's time for me to step aside. Of course, I'm not speaking. I, I'm not a hall of fame player. I'm not a, I, he is a competitor and that's why he's in this business. So I could easily see a, a strong finish feeding his fire that he can say, you know what? 
I can get this done now. So it, it's a very sticky situation because it's akin to Ryan Zimmerman coming back and running the Nationals and things not going well. How do you part ways with the guy who is the face of the franchise, the face of your athletic program next to John Thompson Jr.? It's very tough to move on from this guy who delivered a national championship to your school back in 1984. And Georgetown is also a school that you can't tell them what to do. And whatever they've decided, however this thing ends, it's it's tough to justify keeping the current coaching staff in place if things continue to bottom out the way they are. Yeah, and it kind of calls to mind, and this is, uh, this is my segue into the next topic. It kind of reminds me of Wes Unseld Sr. when he was running the Bullets. I mean, he was the greatest player in the franchise's history, still is to date in my book. And coaching the team, I mean, they were just going nowhere. They were at best mediocre, if not flat out bad. And uh, he hung on for way longer than he probably should have. And somehow, after all that time, the Wizards aren't much better now. (laughs) And they just traded off one of their more popular players, quite frankly. I didn't realize how popular Rui Hachimura was with this Wizards fan base until he was gone. And uh, as you know by now, traded to the Lakers in exchange for Kendrick Nunn and a package of second-round picks. And I think the question that everybody's asking at this point is what in the world is the Wizards plan? What are they even doing? Exactly. And here's the thing. What I think they're doing is they're happy with a big three comprised of Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. Until Kuzma doesn't sign here next year. But but, but that's the problem is you're, you're trying to build around a big three, one of whom probably doesn't want to be here. And so you trade away the guy who is the logical replacement for the guy in the big three that doesn't want to be here. So Stephen Wino, I know that you cover the team quite a bit. What do you think is the plan here? It's starting to feel like the nationals a few years, a couple of years ago when you're trading Trey Turner and then all of a sudden, Oh, we're trading Trey Turner so we can keep Juan Soto. And then all of a sudden you're trading Juan Soto. It's starting to feel a little bit like that with the wizards who have been in that, that stage of mediocrity for a lot of years. And Bradley Beal still a good enough player to keep them competitive on some nights, but you need a Porzingis, a, a, a Beal and Kyle Kuzma. And this is the, the, the trade was for Kyle Kuzma. This was a, they feel confident about him, but George is right. If you don't re-sign Kyle Kuzma and keep him around, this is a gigantic mistake. That's going to, I don't know, I want to say like damage the franchise for years to come because it's not in great shape anyway, but it's going to keep them from taking that next step for a few years. And that's right. And George Wallace, I mean, I'm reading stuff that the Lakers are getting ready to start Rui Hachimura. I know he didn't play oh. in that, uh, in that first game, but they got big plans for this kid. Oh, he's going to go average 20 points. When AD gets back, it's going to be great with him, LeBron, AD. Then they're going to make a run at the end of the year. There's no doubt about that because this is what this team does. Look, is there any been, is there any other uninspiring, like you listen to these guys, even Wes and Tommy Shepard. It's just so like, you're going to run through a wall for any of these guys? Are you? It's just so uninspiring. And it's just that's the way that they have been. Look, the play-in game is their goal every year. And that's very, very sad. We've discussed it on here before. They're on a treadmill of mediocrity that they seem really comfortable to just stay on. And it's just like the play-in tournament. Why is that your goal? I am 43 years old. And the best I have ever seen the Wizards was when they played a game seven against the Boston Celtics in the second round of the playoffs. You almost made the conference finals is the best they can do. And they're out here printing T-shirts and putting banners up for it, Dave Preston. 
And unlike the Big East, uh, where teams aren't engineered to go 500 or make the tournament, uh, the NBA, you are engineered to finish 500 and at least contend for 50 wins in the regular season, which they haven't had since the late 70s, or a conference final. Not a final, but a conference final, which they haven't had since the late 70s. couple questions, I guess, about Wes Unseld Sr. Was he on board for the You Demand uh, campaign? The, yeah. That's the reason I'm a Bullets fan, because that is a definite victory right there. <laughs> See, two, I'm not even old enough to remember that. Two, does this mean that we're going to have a big three bobblehead with Przingis, Beal, and uh, Kuzma? 10, 20 years from now, like we have with the uh, Gilbert group. It's concerning that, uh, once again, a young, promising player is headed elsewhere. But as, as George mentioned, guys leave Washington and they, for some reason, play well elsewhere or they get rings. Swaggy P gets a ring elsewhere. It's and a JaVale bummer. McGee, JaVale McGee, McGee. We propped him up as like this big knucklehead here in Washington. Yeah. The guy ends up being like a, a, a good role player on a championship team. How Andre Blatch never won a title. That's the biggest <laughs> mystery of them all. And it's a shame to lose a guy like Rui because here was a guy who from the very first day, number nine pick, it looked like, hey, here's a guy who for all we've heard, he's good locker room guy. He's popular, not just in the area, but overseas. And Japan, he gives this team a foothold in a foreign nation, opening up a market. Uh, And in an international city like Washington, you would think that we'd be able to attract all these free agents who have homes elsewhere. You know, in other countries, and it looked like uh, Rui was going to be Exhibit A of and that. It, and they, and, he was, and, and it's like, and Steve, you know I me. Mean, you've been, you've covered, you know, the hockey and all international and Olympics, this and that. They Wizards have like a social media guy. Like they went to Japan this off season. Yeah, like literally having Rui Hachimura made the Wizards relevant in Japan. There were yeah. Japanese reporters who followed the Wizards around and covered this team because of him. And, and this takes away a lot of that kind of international cachet for this organization too. Guys, I was in Arizona a few months ago, and got, uh, got yeah, a guy who's uh, dry heat. Uh, yeah, I was checking out the uh, Super Bowl uh, setup for that uh, Ravens Commanders Super Bowl. That's now not going to happen. But uh, I was in Arizona. I'm walking down the street in Scottsdale, and uh, store owner comes out. He's at, you know chatting me up, probably trying to get me to buy something. Asked me you know what I do, blah blah blah. I'm a sportscaster in Washington D.C. First thing he says to me, I'm a huge Wizards fan because he's from Israel. And the presence of Denny Avdi has attracted that. Mm. All that to say, they have an international follow. And it's funny because internationally, the Wizards are bigger than they are in their own country because they've been so on the court, right, in their own city. (laughs) (laughs) Because It makes me wonder who we're going to wind up trading Denny to in a few years. Exactly. I mean, and that begs the question. I mean, you've done a, a really good job of finding some of these good international players and adding them to your team. And that's what the NBA has been over the course of the last 10 to 15 years is international players uh, getting a foothold, and that's what attracts fans from overseas. That's what builds your uh, better basketball. And this kind of goes back to Stephen's point about the Nationals with the Juan Soto thing. I mean, one of the things that still has me upset about that is the fact that if you're going to be bad, and in the Wizards' case, mediocre, be likable losers. By trading away all these guys that people relate to and people have uh, grown attached to, now you're just losing, <laughs> and now nobody's interested in going to see your product. 
But I think on the bright side, they've won nine of 14. They're on the precipice. You hate to say they're on the precipice of uh, postseason contention, but they're only one game out of 10th place. Okay, see, this is exactly You take away that 10-game losing streak, and they're in the mix. This is, look, this is the unbridled optimism that we miss from uh, Dave Johnson on the show. So, but this is uh, what's wrong. This is what's wrong. What he just said is exactly what's wrong with this organization. We're, we're, look, we're almost there. We got a few right. more pieces, a few more right. pieces, and give us get that three to five years – and it's not even something like a 20-game win streak. He said they've won nine out of 14. Like, hey. just like That should be a downturn for a really good team. You know what I'm saying? And that's like the best they do. Like that, We haven't even talked about the 10-game losing skid and, and all of that. So uh, speaking of teams that lose, the Washington Commanders still don't have an offensive coordinator. They had a couple more interviews this week. First of all, George Wallace, before you go do your sportscast, what, uh, uh, is, is there any uh, movement on that front? Uh, do we have a timeline as to... When we think the team might uh, pull the trigger on this? No, you just hear of a different interview each and every day. I'm a little concerned. I haven't heard Byron Leftwich's name. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Who, who did he go? Steve, who did he go? He, we saw yesterday. Who was he going to? Who did he go talk to? He did an interview somewhere. Obviously, local kid. I mean, probably Baltimore. The, the Ravens are interested in him. Clearly, as a, a local guy, local, yeah. local yeah. guy to DC. Yeah, Byron Leftwich is even despite what the, the Buccaneers did this year on offense, has to be a candidate for this I mean, team. you have to make that phone call. They interviewed Thomas uh, Brown yesterday Thomas Brown. with the Rams. The longer this kind of goes, for me, it feels like it's going to be Zampese. He was already on the staff. Again, like we've talked about a number of times, there are so many question marks right now right. that I don't know who is going to, again, hit your wagon to this staff in this situation. But, unless but, you're on, So Zamp, that's why Zampese to me would make the most sense. Leftwich could come in and look, and then then he's got a chance to maybe be a head coach. Guys that have been head coaches, I can see taking it maybe, and then maybe sliding into the big chair and impressing the new guy, the new owner, uh, and then midway through the year, let's say something happens, Ron gets blown, whatever, you could get the top spot. But I don't think it's going to be – I don't think you're going to get a home run. I just don't. I don't think you're going to get one of the big names. And you've seen some of them already turn them down. Right. And uh, and Stephen, why not? I'm going to get your thoughts on this because we talked about it at length last week. I think Pat Shermer is the best case scenario for them, not as a home run option, but because he's got ties to the current staff. He's got a good track record as an offensive coordinator in this league. And given the uncertainty with the ownership situation, just a one year audition or what have you, like he just needs to be in football and you know, gather up his resume. Uh, what do you think of that selection as the offensive coordinator, if it were to come to that? Rob, if you're trying to hit a base hit and a single on this job, then yeah. then yes, Pat Shermer is the guy. He's the experienced, double, right? right? Right, like he's, he's <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's the, just like Ron Rivera was when he got the job. He's the yeah. adult in the room. He's the stable guy with experience. I don't hate the Ken Zampezi option here as a possibility. Really? If, if you're going with Sam Howe. And this yeah. is only if Sam Howell is your guy, because you don't have to change necessarily the language of your offense. You can keep the system that he's learned in an entire year and get to see what he can do. Because look, chances are, unless this team takes a gigantic step forward, Ron Rivera is not the head coach of this team next year. Do you really want to try to make Sam Howell learn a third, learn a different offense, different offensive language again, and then have to do it maybe a third time in three years if he's the guy? 
And I think this is the season to determine whether Sam Howell is the guy. And I would give a lot of respect to Ron Rivera if he says, okay, we're going to do everything we can, whether that's a running game, whether that's Pat Shermer himself or, or, or Zampezi, to give Sam Howell the best chance to succeed, even if it's not in Ron Rivera's best interest kind of long term for himself, that for the franchise and setting this team up for success – that having someone someone who can take advantage of Sam Howell's skill set. And maybe that is Byron Lefkowitz. And, and, and obviously the local connection is important. What he was able to do with Tom Brady is, is important. And, and that was behind a patchwork offensive line. I can make excuses for Byron Lefkowitz as much as you want. But I, I think the goal of the offseason should be, whether it's the offensive coordinator, the offensive line, tight end situation, whatever happens to Logan Thomas, to put Sam Howe in the best position to succeed and show what he can do in the NFL. And that's the thing is I don't think Byron Leftwich needs to be defended. I think that this past year was the aberration and that was the sure. uh, outlier as opposed to the guy coordinated an offense that won a Super Bowl and, and a very similar roster composition to what Washington has in that it's very receiver-driven. And I think Washington has a better offensive line when it's healthy, and that's always the caveat, is when it's healthy, it's not a bad offensive line, even though over the course of the uh, first three years of the Ron Rivera era, they've been shedding all pro offensive linemen and letting them just walk away, Dave Preston. And once again, the general manager, Ron Rivera, betrays the head coach, Ron Rivera. Uh, what uh, what I'm intrigued in seeing is, as far as offensive coordinator candidates who are interested in coming to Washington, that uh, the presser where Ron Rivera said he wanted to run 66% of the time or 60% or two-thirds yeah. of the time or whatever the actual number was in his head, I'm sure that wasn't the literal intent, but he does want a commitment to have the running game be a major component. And in 2023, to use that offense, George mentioned, you know, hitching the wagon to Ron Rivera, hitching the wagon to whoever's in the quarterback room, hitching the wagon to that offense. If, if you're a creative offensive mind coming here, knowing that, all right, there's somewhat of a backwards, you know, offense that I'm dealing with and working with. How exactly am I going to do that and still be on my career trajectory that I'm envisioning? So I think it's slim pickings for this team where, you know, maybe Shermer because he's been out of football for a year, uh, Zampezi because he's getting that offensive coordinator job when where else could he go and get such a gig? I don't think somebody from the outside who has offensive coordinator aspirations or at least legitimate ones is going to come to Washington given the temperature of the offensive room, given the quarterback situation, given the ownership situation where you may have a whole staff blown out within a year, regardless of how good or bad you are in your role. So that's been the case for the last 20, 23 years. The last really good coordinator that we got to come here was Marvin Lewis way back when. And that was before we knew all the shenanigans that went uh, down behind the scenes. So basically it's a pipe dream that Washington yeah. will get a top shelf offensive coordinator and in turn attract a, uh, one of these uh, top tier quarterbacks that may be available, but we're going to play pretend for a second. You got Tom Brady out there. Aaron Rodgers is sounding like a man who's about to leave green Bay and kind of force his way out, uh, even if he even if he decides to play. So let's just in a vacuum, in a perfect world where the Washington Commanders aren't a total disaster and about to have an ownership change. Who would you prefer? Because George and I had this discussion in the newsroom the other day. Who would you prefer, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Because both of them look, they they would both be rentals 
right? Given their age, given the uh, situation with the team for a one-year rental, who would you prefer, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, Stephen Wino? Bring in Tom Brady and bring Byron Leftwich with him. Give them an offensive line and, and let's go. More likely is Aaron Rodgers because he and Ron Rivera are both Cal guys. But I would rather have, certainly rather have Tom Brady here than Aaron Rodgers. I think he has more left in the tank. I agree with that. But also, what's it going to cost you to get Aaron Rodgers though to trade? Well, and that's the thing is Aaron <laughs> Rodgers would have to. And first of all, just coming back to reality uh, briefly for a second. I don't think the Packers, if they trade him, I don't think the Packers would trade him in the NFC. They don't want to see him in the playoffs. And so they would probably do like a Favre-like deal him to like the Jets, even though that's not the Siberia that it was back in the day. But if they did trade him in the NFC, you would have to make him an offer that they couldn't refuse. And that would easily have to include multiple first round picks, Dave Preston. Yeah. Uh, could, could you guys talk? I, I have to, I have to uh, go and get something real quick. Oh no. He's bringing props. Oh my God. Did I, did I George, miss the yeah, George Wallace, you answer while he's doing things. And well, by the way, for those of you who are not uh, watching this podcast, uh, it is uh, still a Christmas tree in the background of uh, Dave's. Uh, oh, there's a Tom Brady. Jersey. Now he just retrieved his uh, Pat Patriot, Tom Brady Jersey. Wicked. Awesome. That should be lit on fire. No, why, why, why? What's what's wrong with the first old? Of all, first of all, they're the most overrated throwbacks in the history of sports. That's number one. Oh, that's okay? a whole other you break my heart. You yes, break my yes, heart. Yes, I would go with Brady. We'll, we'll and... save that one for the summer. Okay. <laughs> I would go with Brady. I Just knowing the, the recent history of this franchise, either one of these guys comes here, just say that magic happens. They will have a disastrous season like none other. <laughs> That will be like, wow, I didn't know things could happen that bad for Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Just knowing what happens to people who are smart who come here, to people who aren't even smart. I could see that happening to Aaron Rodgers. I cannot see that happening to Tom Brady. I think his mojo is so strong that it could overcome the Washington curse, George Wallace. Let's get selfish for a second, Mr. Wino and myself. Who would we rather deal with in town oh. as a quarterback, media-wise, the and the cluster, the cluster that is? I'd rather deal with Taylor Heineke, actually. Like, well, we're talking about who we're dealing with. I'd rather, I'd rather deal with Taylor Heineke, but, but Brady is still the answer here. So, so I think we all agree on Brady, then, right? He's wicked awesome. <laughs> all right, so we all agree on Brady, and we all agree that uh, we're happy to have Associated Press sports writer Stephen Wino with us. He's also the author of Odd Man In – Hockey's emergency goalies and the wildest one day job in sports. Tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, I just happen to have it sitting there. I just happen to have it sitting here. I mean, it was Uh, just right there. Copies available. Just, just someone call call me. I'm selling out of the drunk of my car. It's about emergency backup goalies. Like there's no other thing in sports where you literally have a guy sitting in the stands who can come in and play in that league. Like if Brady and Rogers are playing in a game and the, and both get hurt, you don't have a D three quarterback in the stands. The fact that hockey has this thing, it's the craziest, stupidest, most wonderful thing in sports. So I wrote a story about it a few years ago. I wrote a book about it and I hope people enjoy the stories of kind of these regular guys who weren't in the NHL and wound up playing games or at least took warmups or whatever in an NHL game. And we and had one, one, we had one with the capitals. A few caps, years right. Ago, right? Yeah. The Cavs have had a couple of them. Brett Leonhardt, who's now their video coach, uh, dressed for warmups in a game, um, I think 15 years ago at this point, and got to take shots from Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and those guys, and, and Gavin McHale in Winnipeg, dressed three months before they won the Stanley Cup. He's in their locker room celebrating a win in Winnipeg, and all of a sudden he watches his teammates for a night win the Stanley Cup. That's pretty cool. 
when you research this book and you're talking to tons of people, was there one thing about it that surprised even you as you've heard all these legends and all and, and all these things? It was weird how many, all these guys who have this job of being an emergency backup goalie, how differently they all approached it. There were guys who like went about their day jobs and just kind of went to the gym and did their thing and just went to the arena and then went home. And there were guys who literally couldn't work all day and they were freaking out all day about just the idea of even being in the arena and being two injuries away and just how it, how intense that situation is. They're all goalies and goalies are crazy because you want to have frozen rubber shot at you at hundred miles an hour. You're something wrong with you, but they all had that same kind of background, but very different kind of approaches to the weirdest job in sports. How does one become that? How does one become that? You, you literally Have half the time it's crazy. calling the local rink. Half the time it's calling the local rink and saying who you got who's willing to come to a game and dress and be ready to play and dress for us tonight. Wow. And uh, and again, the book is uh, Odd Man in Hockey's Emergency Goalies and the Wildest One Day Job in Sports. Man, I am thrilled that we finally got. We've been trying to get yes. Stephen Wino, the Associated Press sports writer, on. Finally came together. Thank you for joining us. I am. I mean, really, it's he's been doing this book tour so long. We can put it that way, or we can just say it's been. Our fault for not getting him on the last month because we're dealing with this football team locally. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the, the important thing is, George, you and I are in Richmond this summer somehow, somewhere. Listen, oh, that boy. is the only thing that matters. Forget <laughs> Arizona. Forget Arizona for the owner's meetings if there's a new owner. Richmond is where it has to be. Oh, boy. All right. And uh, that, again, is George Wallace, who uh, interrupted my outs. That is uh, Dave Preston. Uh, again, Stephen Wino, thanks for joining us. Rob Woodfork signing off uh, on Another DC Sports Huddle sponsored by MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. And once again, we are, and hopefully Stephen joins us because George doesn't, we're breaking the huddle. <laughs>